What's Up ABQ is a proud member of the Barillas Podcasters Guild. I'm Chris. And I'm Ryan. And this is season three of What's Up ABQ. Welcome back, Albuquerque. I am Ryan. And I am Chris. And welcome to What's Up ABQ. And today's guest is Barney Lopez with Launchpad, Moonlight Lounge, and Blackout Theater. Nice. Welcome, Barney. Hey, thanks for having me today. Yeah. Barney, what do you do? Tell us all the cool things. I, I'm a producer. I guess I would I would classify my myself as with Launchpad. I work with Joe Anderson at booking a lot of the shows that are over there. And currently, I have been working on Launchpad streaming series, kind of producing those uh, with Chris Walsh and Andrew Godfrey. Yeah, I also play music. I play in a band, Red Light Cameras, and I work with a theater company called Blackout Theater Company, producing lately a lot of sketch comedy. Very cool. So how have you guys been dealing with the uh, pandemic as a, you know, as music, as a music venue? Like, how have you guys handled that? Uh, Well, we haven't been able to do shows since March. I think the last show that I was at was a show that I had booked there on March 8th. And that was with, uh, oh man, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Corblund? <laughs> Corblund, yeah, it was Corblund, yeah. Yeah, I was at that uh, show. Yeah, and that was the last like live show that we were able to have at Launchpad. I think there might have been like a metal show on that Monday, the day after, and then pretty much everything that week got canceled. So for Launchpad, we've kind of been, we went hibernating for most of the summer. And then in August, we started up a streaming series through our Facebook and YouTube channels. So in, uh, starting in August, we started bringing in bands and we would film them at the launch pad distance and, and as, as safely as we could. And then we would like put those concerts up on the internet uh, once a week. So something I want to know, and you mentioned, you know, you're putting this stuff up on the internet. What's the difference been like versus, you know, something that's live versus something that's virtual. And I know so many people have been trying to like figure out with COVID, you know, how, how to do something, you know, virtual, but still have that kind of appeal. What's the big difference been like? Well, it's just, I think at first when Launchpad was going to start trying to do uh, streaming concerts, we tried doing a live thing with Defy and Amp Music or Amp Concerts. And we had a really hard time going live. Like the actual aspect of being live is super hard because of internet speeds, of upload speeds. You have to have a strong connection in order to really sustain like a thing that feels like a concert, you know? I would say that that's like, it's really funny because like on my other show, uh, uh, Tendrick Minimum, I do a lot of live remote shows. And the biggest issue is the upload. And it's really interesting, like how when you get internet, when you pay for internet, you don't really know that that's a thing. You're like, you're like worried about download speed. You're like worried about buffering for Netflix or whatnot. But when you're actually like live streaming, upload is like, you know, God. And (laughs) I would go to Launchpad and they're like, oh, why don't you do a show here? And I would be like, well, the upload is like 0.9, you know, and and you really need like a five meg. Yeah. And I mean, like that is like such a roadblock to to doing any really good. And I think it's something that a lot of us (laughs) learned this year because with Blackout Theater Company, we I kind of started working with them on creating some shows for the Internet this year. Uh, with sketch comedy and we kind of found that like it was best to just lean into the medium that we're working in instead of trying to do sketch comedy live 
in front of an audience on zoom and like having the comedy lag behind because somebody's connection is a little bit different than someone else's connection. We just went with filming stuff and just, just lean into the medium. The medium is film. Yeah. People are watching us like, and the other thing I thought too, when we were going into doing the, the filming of the sketch shows and then filming of the Launchpad concerts is that we're competing with, with Netflix and we're competing with Amazon. They're just like one tab away. You know, they're like, you know, we're just going to be on someone's computer. So really what we had to do is we, we had to focus on, on quality on trying to make sure that our camera images look good and that the shots are interesting. So we actually borrowed some GoPro cameras from Chris yeah. here to set up at the launch pad so that we can have like between five to seven cameras placed around the launch pad stage. And, and you guys, I feel like it's, it's interesting. Cause like I've lent you guys two GoPros and then you guys have, like you said, five to seven, man, that is a lot of post-production work that you guys are doing just to get what it looks like, you know, the live experience, like as if you're out live watching a show. Yeah. I mean, and like part of the thing we were thinking is that we wanted to feel, you know, it's really important that it feels like you're there. And I think a lot of times, at least early on in the pandemic, a lot of people were playing shows to like one camera in their backyard and the band would get together and they'd play. And like, this doesn't have the same feel as actually being there because when you're there, you can go, you can look at the drummer for a little bit and then you can focus at the bass player. (laughs) That's not true. You ignore the bass player and then you focus on the guitar player. No one one cares about the bass player. (laughs) And then like, so you can like look around the stage and get like close up of different people and it's really like one of the things that makes live theater and live music so special and and really makes me like desperate to get back to it is that you you experience it in such a different way than you do a movie or film well movie or film is very much about like directing your focus on what they want you to focus on but with the streaming concerts we try to make it so that we're hopping around from camera to camera so that we can kind of like give you the the idea of like looking around the stage and that it feels a little bit more like you're actually there well and then i think early in the pandemic there was a lot of people that were like i can just turn my phone on and point it at me and then play music well the phone you know the phones are great but like they're just not made for that they're just not the the microphone on the phone is good for facetime but it's not made to pick up someone playing really loudly on the guitar and i keep i kept seeing like at the beginning of the pandemic there'd be tons of people they're like hey watch my live stream and then I could watch it for like five minutes. And there was so much, so many artifacts in the audio that it was unwatchable and you feel bad because you don't want to tell them that. And I mean, I've actually seen people do it up until like about a month ago. And I was like, ah, you guys, there's so many, I mean, you know, if you're going to do this, like, you know, when you, when you're a musician and you go out on the road, you definitely have to invest in certain things to make that successful, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do something, you know, if you can't go out on the road and you have to live stream, you got to invest money and stuff and to be successful. Well, and it's funny you bring that up, Chris, because did we learn nothing from like the before times from when we're at a concert and we hold up our phone and try to record? It's terrible. It's terrible. (laughs) Oh, that's exactly right. I don't know about you guys, but I've just been going back through my phone to watch old concerts. It's just just the same. It's exactly the same. So that's that's funny that you bring that up because like I I did that when I was younger. And then the older I got, the more I was like, you know, nobody gives a shit about this video except for me. 
And then like, I don't give a shit about it after a couple months. So I stopped doing it. And like, now I'm annoyed by the people that hold their phone up. And then I went and saw Brian Wilson and I thought it was going to be an older crowd and I wouldn't have to worry about that. There were people with iPads up. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen that. Yeah. And I'm like, when they get older now, the, the, the phones get bigger. The phones get bigger. <laughs> so yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm a big believer in, in this idea that you're only going to experience that, that certain concert or that certain yeah. whatever once. So like your, your memory is, should be that, that phone recording, you know? Right. 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 Yeah. Well, and then also like, I'll, I'll jump back to what you said earlier, Chris, is that the audio quality is just so awful on phones. Yeah. It's, it's, I think one of the advantages we have, or one of the things that we started doing right away with our streaming concerts is Andrew, our sound guy from Launchpad, who's amazing and has such a good ear on everything he's recording everything from the stage onto his computer and then he's taking that all that audio recording home and doing a quick mixing and mastering of it to make sure it sounds good to make sure it sounds like you're there at the concert and not like you're inside of a phone listening through some like <laughs> i don't know like tin can with a wire coming yes. over your house it does right? sound like in a can with a wire it's terrible it's just awful so what makes for a good show in Albuquerque, bar, barring COVID, pretend that, you know, there's an alternate universe where it never happened. What makes for a good show here downtown Albuquerque? I think you got to have a reason to party. Like, like I'm totally all for like party all the time, party, party hard. But I always find the best shows have some kind of like purpose to them where it feels almost like a mission. Like we've got a party tonight for this. So, so, you know, like birthday parties are really always fun shows. I used to love, we would do like Cholo goth night. We'd bring this guy in Dave Parlay. Great. Yeah. We decked out Launchpad once. We decked out Inside Out once, just putting like fake candles everywhere. I brought like cow skulls and we turned all the lights red and put a bunch of extra smoke machines in there and really turned it into this very gothic like hallway. I think when you can change the environment of the space, whether it's through visuals or through audio or through costumes or whatever, then you can really like elevate the experience for the audience. And it doesn't have to be that like there's this band Daikaiju that uh oh man through like once or twice a year. That's the one band that I will say some people film. I've never seen them. They've come through twice and I know all about them because of videos that people took on their phones. So, so there was a purpose to those videos yeah. on the phones. Yeah. <laughs> There is. It's all marketing. <laughs> it's all for marketing. So, okay. We we have listeners who are outside New Mexico, and you just said, I understood you. What is Cholo Goth for somebody who's not New Mexican? So, Cholo Goth is like, so there's a lot of like Latinos and Cholos or Latinx people who really got into like New Order and Mor- <laughs> Morrissey and like fucking The Cure and even deeper stuff, uh, Kato Twins and just like gothic culture. And it's like this weird, it kind of started picking up in like San Diego and LA. Uh, there's this band called Prayers that are kind of like at the forefront of Cholo Goth, I guess, sort of. And their bass player, Dave Parlay, he DJs this Cholo Goth night. And so it's very much like this meeting of like sad Cholos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Cholos, but like you put your, your like dark eye makeup on 
you know, and you like <laughs> the black lipstick, yeah, yeah, the black clothes. Uh, it's really chill. I, I think that like we do this show over Inside Out called Body of Soul Sundays normally, and what we do is we have our DJ Marvel from the Alchola brand. He does DJ in there, and we just watch the cruisers go up and down the street, <laughs> and, then, cool. and then we listen to like old school jams and stuff like that, cruising jams and stuff. Or we watch the cruisers go. And uh, Marvel's actually like the guy who kind of turned me on to Cholo Goth and and helped bring out Dave the last couple times that we did. That's pretty cool. It's it's really successful too. The Cholo Goth night. It's really big. Like you, you guys have done it what twice now? We've done it twice, and then Sister had it one time. Oh, okay. Oh, they tried to steal it from me. I see. Interesting. But, <laughs> but we did it up. We put up, we put up a ton of stuff. More candles. I went down to my parents' house and got a cow skull for him. I was like, "Is this enough, Dave? Is this is this Goth enough?" for you so how did you get started like in music like what what got you started as a musician or you know how did you how did you get into it like what was the catalyst when i was in middle school me and my friends decided we wanted to start a band uh basically we were really into 80s metal at the time specifically black sabbath and so the four of us decided all right well let's let's be a band uh everyone see what instruments you can get and it just so happened that down at my grandparents' house, my uncle Sammy had a bass that he had left there because he used to play bass back in when he was in high school. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, I guess, guess I'm going to be a bass player now. And so then I, <laughs> then I became a bass player and like we started playing shows We were, our band was called Dawn of Destruction. <laughs> and uh we played like a couple of black sabbath cover songs and then some of our own like protos thrash music without any music theory training or anything like that we just kind of like made noise like a ton of noise except when we learned the black sabbath songs so i started doing i was like with that band and growing up my parents we lived in a double wide trailer and the next to us was our old house which was a single wide trailer and the single wide trailer had just been turned into like a storage kind of trailer and there was enough room in there for me during high school to like have band practice in there and then eventually i just started throwing parties in there uh i'd have three or four high school bands come and they'd all play in the living room and yeah yeah, very DIY style. Or we play on the porch. I actually lived, so I grew up next door to the prison in Las Lunas. <laughs> and like, we would like play on the porch of the trailer facing towards the prison. So we were like jamming music. All our, like, we would have several concerts that we would just be playing for the prisoners way down the road. Oh, man. I wonder if they liked it or if it was like torture for them. <laughs> uh, probably torture. They were like, God damn it. This is why they put the prison here. This is like you, your your original connection to Cholo Goth, right? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like started putting together shows at that at that trailer. Uh, it was called the Shiz House or I called it the Shiz House. And we would just have these like wild parties. I nothing too bad. I mean, we're all high school kids. So there's like some drinking and smoking pot, but it wasn't like wild, but it was fun. It was a ton of fun. And I really got into like putting together lineup of bands and finding out who was what local bands were around and were playing. Like when I was in high school, I used to listen. I used to go on mp3.com every morning. Oh man. And and I would like look for bands in Albuquerque because I was like, oh, I want to know these bands in Albuquerque. Who's who's in Albuquerque? And I'd find bands like Crash Kills 4 and O Ranger and Left Unsaid. And I would just like download a song in the morning because that's all you could download in those days is one song per morning. Back in the old times. 
Yeah. And then I'd like download a left unsaid song and then like take it on my little tiny iPod with me on the bus to get to listen to that one left unsaid oh, song over and over again. Were you were you ever part of that like music forum that there was a bunch of people? I think Dandy started it. He created it and it was like a big music forum that a lot of people Yeah. Squawk uh, Rock. Yeah, and Dandy Fleming from uh the Dirty Novels and Lousy Robots started it. So I was never part of it, but I went and as like an archaeologist of, of music oh. scenedom, I like I discovered it again. <laughs> I like went and found it. No, no one's really posting on it anymore. All right. But it's it's still around. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Well, I mean, yeah, my man, is it still around? You could like look at. I was gonna say, if you're listening, start posting on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's crazy. So, is that where you kind of like the genesis of like where you started like promoting shows? Now that you do like at Launchpad and Moonlight Lounge. Yeah, kind of. Well, I like. I kind of went away from music for college. Like while I was in college, I focused on theater and got my degree in in directing and really got an the taste for producing, I think, a lot. I, I, I mean, I'd already been producing these music shows, but now I started getting into producing a lot of theater productions. And I was also started playing with a band called Red Light Cameras at that time, too. And that band really picked up, picked up and we started doing really good. And it got me back into it again because I had this band to, and we wanted to play shows. And I was just very active about trying to like find the cool bands in town to play with that. And then I started just putting together really cool lineups for red light cameras and we would have successful shows very often. And I think I got like the hang of it. And then I approached Joe and asked him if I could start booking uh, shows for just the venues instead or not instead, but as well. That's pretty cool. What makes for a good show in Albuquerque? Like if you, you, you could throw together the show of your dreams, what like here now, I mean, barring COVID, what is it like? How does it happen? Are you asking about be his dream lineup? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh man. All right. So I like festivals because they, they like span genres. You know, like I miss when Albuquerque used to have the spring and the fall crawl and they would just shut down central and every single place would have bands playing in it. Places that don't normally have bands would have bands. I think ideally I would love to like come out of COVID and have a giant festival where we could all just like bar hop from like venue to venue to venue. But yeah, I really a thing I really like about that is just being able to hear a bunch of different genres. So I would like, I'd love to have like uh, the big spank playing and like them Red Mesa and Lilith and maybe some Russian girlfriends and the guys at Shrewd are always like put on a good show. The Porter Draw is good for some like Americana. Uh, I would also like Suspended is sick. Have you guys seen Suspended? I may have. I don't know. I've seen a lot they, of bands that I don't remember. They're <laughs> like that. <laughs> Hey, I drink. I like. I drink a lot of PBRs during the show. Oh, oh and then also like Moonshine Blind. I'd oh, love to see those guys again. They're, and, they're great. And Sorry Weddows always a good time oh, too. Crazy bands, yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many good bands in Albuquerque that I just like haven't seen in a year, and you know, and I just miss a lot of them. Oh, uh, totally, totally. Carrier Waves. Yeah, Carrier Waves. Crime Lab. Uh, Reviva. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prism. It, it, it'd be cool to do like a show at the Sunshine and have like the Sunshine and Moonlight and then have like, you know, the stages going back and forth. So audiences can see like, I don't know, like newer bands in the Moonlight and then like more established local bands in the Sunshine. That would be like well, a don't fun. You, don't you have a hookup to that? Can't you make that happen? I do, but we got to get those. We got to get the COVID gone so we can get capacity limits. Right, out. right, right. We were, we were going to do some. Oh, it's like we had a show planned. 
for St. Patrick's Day weekend, you know, because COVID happened and shut everything down at like yeah. right before St. Patrick's Day. We were planning a big show over at the Sunshine where we, it was called uh, St. Punctrix Day. It's a thing we do every year at Launchpad. Yeah. And we were going to have bands playing at the Moonlight and at the Sunshine so that people could go back oh. and forth between the two stages to watch bands on that day. <laughs> and then some guy ate a bat and ruined it. And it ruined the whole thing. He was like, no punk tricks for you. (laughs) All right. Well, we're about our halfway point. So we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. The What's Up ABQ podcast is a partnership between the Borellis Podcasters Guild and amazing neighborhood businesses like Slow Burn Coffee Roasters at 821 Mountain Road Northwest, located in the Wells Park neighborhood. Slowburn Coffee is a specialty roaster, sourcing and roasting nothing but specialty-grade seasonal blends. Buck the big coffee chains and fill your cup with a unique and satisfying daily dose of local joy. Get your Java fix on with Slowburn Coffee Roasters, open daily from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 821 Mountain Road Northwest, on Instagram at Slowburn Coffee. Your business deserves to be talked about and recognized, and the Borellis Podcasters Guild can help do that. All of the podcast members' podcasts in the Guild reach an especially diverse, unique, and sophisticated audience hyper-localized to the Albuquerque metro area. We're proud to serve the interests of our community, and we want everyone listening to know about your business. Advertising rates are ridiculously affordable, and we'll showcase your ad on this and all our members' podcasts throughout the month. For advertising information, contact us at info at com and visit our website at com. Hello, my name is Brennan. And my name is Jesse. And we've been brothers our whole lives. We also host a podcast called Dad, I Have to Pee. Every Friday we discuss parenting and punk rock with a special guest. We also answer your listener questions and impart our questionable wisdom. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other places. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Dad, I Have to Pee. And we're back. And uh, we'll have you reintroduce yourself just so people are reminding of who you are. My name is Barney Lopez, and I am with the Launchpad and Moonlight Lounge. Okay. And so, you know, so far we've been talking to you about, you know, local music, uh, how you got started, and, you know, kind of you know, local details on Albuquerque music scene. What would you say is Albuquerque's definitive music genre? What's the big, the big thing that people go show up for here? I have to say that it's hip hop, but it's like hip hop across the country is the biggest genre. But for Albuquerque, uh, metal is huge, right? Okay. Metal still rules rules Albuquerque, but hip hop definitely has the like younger crowd base. Hip hop has the kids lined up down the block to watch it. I mean, there there are metal shows that do too, but I think that right now it's just it's just the nature of where the music world is right now and what what younger people are listening to. Well, you know, Tech Nine, he's pretty big now. Oh man, Tech Nine is fun. <laughs> Tech Nine will do like two nights in a row in Albuquerque sometimes. And oh man, I, 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 that, I saw the line and I was like, "Who? Who's playing at the Sunshine?" There's a line around. It went around the block almost like completely. Like it almost came back on itself. The line. I was like, "Holy crap, that's insane!" 
Yeah, but met, I, but metal is also like really huge. And like at the launch pad, we have like we put on some great metal shows, like Cattle Decapitation. Every time they come, is a fucking blast of a time. Do you have you seen this band? No, I've 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 seen the on the marquee, and I went, huh, okay, interesting. <laughs> Cattle Decapitation. So, and I know you know you're you're working primarily in Albuquerque. Is is Albuquerque where most of the the local New Mexico talent is coming from musically, or is it from somewhere else in the state? I'd say mostly, but Santa Fe lately has been having a lot of really cool bands coming up. There's like mm-hmm. the Illegal Aliens, Clementine was right, Jesse Deluxe is up there. There's just yeah. like these these really cool artsy indie rock bands that have been popping up out of Santa Fe. The Dill uh, Don'ts. <laughs> the Dill Don'ts. Is that yeah. is that really one? Yes. <laughs> they played at the uh Red Velvet. What is that place called? The Red Velvet or Oh yeah, the Red Velvet Underground. Red yeah, Velvet Underground. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. From the I was like, okay. Yeah, there's some cool there's some pretty cool bands though that are that are popping up out of Santa Fe right now. I think there's just a little a really good like artist. It's a very like, artsy scene up there. So that's cool. But I'd say a lot of the bands are coming from Albuquerque. There's a lot of metal that comes out of uh like Gallup and Farmington at Regents. Yeah, that, that band Lilith is so sick. I think Lilith is from up by Farmington oh, okay. uh, area. But they those uh, are sick. Farmington weapons of mass destruction. I think so. <laughs> That's an old throwback right there. You know, not including your venues. If you had to go to a show somewhere in the state, again, barring COVID, where would you go? I mean, Meow Wolf is always a fun venue to go to. It's it's really fun because you get to run around the whole place and like you know, if you if you want, you can partake in extra extra curricular activities before you go in to watch the show which really makes it quite a blast let's see i wish that what was that the Palo solari didn't that used to be open i've never been to that one no it's an interesting one because it is a very small venue but it's such a weird place that it draws these bands that would you would never see in a small intimate venue like go like i had tickets to go see gogo bordello there and I was like, Ugh. and people were like, they're playing at Meow Wolf. And I mean, of course, it sold out really fast. Yeah. But that's a play. I saw Kurt Vile and the Destroyers there. I mean, there's you just see these bands that normally wouldn't play such a small venue. I mean, I get, you know, sometimes yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's and it's a pretty good venue too. Like from the other side, because I've played there a few times with red with red light cameras. Yeah. And it's like the sound is great, the mixing is great, uh, the light show that they do for you there is really great. The hospitality is great. What's the green room there like? It's it's like you know how the launch pads green room is. Yeah. It's like that, but with taller ceilings. Uh, <laughs> it's not cool in any way, shape, or form. It's surprising. Surprisingly, no. Surprisingly, it's it's similar to that like closet behind the stage kind of green room thing i mean maybe they've fixed it up since covid they've had time and stuff but yeah it was kind of underwhelming for for as far as green rooms go that's sad appreciate a green room but like yeah speaking of green rooms so you know you being a part of band here locally best green room worst green room best green room i've been to is when we played the like the zoo bash or something like that the zoo had a a fundraiser for for people to come to to support the zoo and then they got to like drink beer and look at some animals on the catwalk and then we played in the like the shell 
oh, over yeah, there by the yeah. grass. And behind the shell, there's a staircase that goes up. And when we played, we went up and upstairs, there's this like huge room with couches and they had a whole spread of meat and cheese and vegetables and dips just out for us on the table. And they had like two bottles of, of whiskey for us and some local beers. Like that was the city totally or the zoo totally hooked us up. That was like the best local green room experience. What's the worst one? Let's see. <laughs> I mean, be launch, honest. Come on, Launchpad. I mean, no, no offense, but Launchpad's kind of rough. I've been in that La- one. Launchpad's Launchpad's green room is uh, a very small room. Let's see. Launchpad's green room, if I can describe it for listeners who haven't been in there, um, is basically like a rectangle room that we've somehow been able to fit two couches into. Yeah, and yeah. then there's also like a counter with a mirror, and. If you you can probably fit your whole band in there, <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, at least whenever you have like a, I don't know if it's if the they you guys stock it for every show, but I've been there, I've been up in the, I mean, I've snuck into the green room whenever people are having an album release, and you know they usually get a bottle of champagne. Oh yeah, totally. Like Joe, Joe uh, is like really awesome with hooking up bands for album release shows, and then also for the two of us, whenever we have like. A, touring bands come in a lot of times they'll have writers and they'll have things that they want to put on there uh, in the green room and so we'll do that we'll stock it up we'll get a cooler of of like beers or liquor and put it up there and try and show them as much hospitality as as we can so hold on. So, so what you're saying is here is that if your champagne's only missing it's probably chris no, no, no. I, yeah, didn't that's, that's ticket. <laughs> I was up there drinking somebody's miller miller high lifes though one time Oh, you meant the champagne of beer. I meant of beers, yeah. Um, so with that, what's the craziest writer that you've seen so far? I booked this guy, MC Chris, mm. uh, who is a, he's a nerdcore rapper. He does he he also uh, fun fact, if you watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force, he is MCP Pants, the spider that sings about I I want candy, bubblegum and taffy. Like that, uh, <laughs> that guy. And I think he he wrote some raps for other uh, adult swim shows but anyways he had in his writer a paperback sci-fi novel from the 1980s and i was like i went to like the thrift store and i looked around for it and i couldn't find one i was like showed up he showed up and i was like i'm so sorry man i couldn't find this thing for you and he was totally cool he was like i just put that on there to make sure people are reading it okay okay but did you try going to either tidal wave or don's books no, I'm like thrift store only kind of person in okay. general. <laughs> See, I'm a fantasy author, so sci-fi and fantasy, we, we, we rub shoulders all the time. Those two places here in town, half their stock of books is like pulp fiction, sci-fi, fantasy from the 80s. Oh, wow. Well, that's good yeah. to know. Next time, yeah. next time MC Chris comes to town, I'll have mm-hmm. to swing by there. Yeah, you got to get that book for him just to do it. Yeah, just to show him. Just to be, you know, you're like, heck yeah. So that's the crazy one. I always expected it would be the brown M&Ms or the, uh, you know, they want uh, pajamas that are like red or, you know. Most of the time they show up or you'll like email with them ahead of time and you'll be like, hey, do you guys want these things on the writer? And most of the time they'll say, no, just give us the money for however much it's worth. And they just want the money once they show up. I've heard a lot of bands will ask for socks. So that they can just get you know fresh socks on the road and they don't have to do laundry. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. That's a good idea, though. <laughs> That's pretty smart. Yeah. What do you? I, I think a case of water is also a great rider item. Yeah. Like always ask for a case of water because when you're on the road driving, it just 
it's nice to just always have water on hand. Well, especially here because you're driving in the elevations a factor, you know. Yeah. You yeah. What uh, as as a band a person who travels in bands, what do you ask for on a rider? Uh, not nothing really. <laughs> no. Not, I mean, no. I guess we're not that big of a band, or I guess we haven't taken ourselves that seriously and maybe we need to start asking for riders yeah it's weird it's weird coming onto the other side you know i've been on the band side for so long and now i'm on this this side of the aisle the oh, so you've learned a lot of things <laughs> booker side yeah so I've, I've been like wait other bands are getting riders mm-hmm. <laughs> what did that happen to you <laughs> what's uh, well what's one thing you saw on a rider that someone did that you're like i'm doing that Oh, just asking like straight up for alcohol and liquor, you know, or alcohol and beer. They'll do that or or being like, hey, can we have some like snacks available for us when we get there? Anything. It is nice to get stuff like, um, well, because when you're like driving all day, especially in the in the like Southwest, you're driving for like eight hours from city to city and you're usually rushing from one stop to the next that it's really nice if you show up and there's like snacks for you to eat and stuff. I got to go backstage for one of the major acts that played at the Santa Fe opera. Right. And we partied with them until like the the bus check. Right. So I'm thinking like, we're going to go back there and they're going to have a huge spread and all this. So we go back there in the, in the, in the dressing room and they had a fifth of Jameson and then a cooler that had Modelo and Tecate in it. And then one vegetable tray and one meat tray. And I was very disappointed. That's the best was, in the Santa Fe opera. Right. Well, that's what they asked for. Oh, okay. All right. That's all they wanted. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they took the rest in cash. They were like, uh, yeah. just give us this, 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 and then we'll take the rest in cash. Yeah. It was a, it was a uh, former local band that made it big. So you can guess who that is. Oh, I see. I see who you're talking. And I was about. like, I was like, man, I was really expecting like the, the, you know, and we ended up shotgunning beers in the, in the shower. <laughs> they, they were like, they were worried that we would spill it all over the floor. And I was like, rock and roll, man. We're not going to spill it. Sorry. Oh man. They got to play the opera. That's so cool. See that I, you know what I want to take back my thing earlier about Meow Wolf. Yeah. Meow Wolf is cool and all, but I think the best place would be Santa Fe Opera. That's such oh. an like amazing stage and that and like the view behind you. But you gotta be like big shot <laughs> to play yeah. Santa Fe Opera. That's like I don't know if I get in trouble for this, but um so we go we party with them until bus check, right? So it's like two or three in the morning and uh we're gonna leave and like we walk out of the dressing room. And we have to go back the way we came. And the way we came was like we walked, you know, because the band was on stage playing when we were when we walked backstage. So everybody starts like turning left to go around the stage. And I was like, fuck that. I'm going on the stage. So I went out on the stage at the Santa Fe Opera and I sang because <laughs> I wanted to hear the acoustics. <laughs> oh, you lucky. You know, I, did no, the, I did the Figaro. You know, I did, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're talking about, you know, Santa Fe Opera is the best man. Right now, dear listener, let's get Barney's band to go play Santa right. Fe Opera once no it's kidding. safe. Let's make it happen. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be right? so cool. If I was a local band, the two venues I would want to play that are local would be the Santa Fe Opera and then uh, what's the um, the place on UNM? The uh, Pope Joy. Pope Joy. I got to see uh, um, the Alabama Shakes. Oh, nice! At Pope Joy, I did not realize how great the acoustics were there. It was amazing. I was like, "Holy crap!" That was insane. But that would be my two places that I would always want to play. We're talking all things New Mexico here now, which is awesome. Okay, important question. I need you to you know, take a moment, collect yourself. Red or green? 
I, I think I go with green most of the time. I, I'm a green person. If you're going to get good green chili here in, in Albuquerque, where do you go? Where, what's your go-to place? Um, well, there's this food truck that's, uh, they live across the street from me. They're called Sanchez food truck. Mm. And they used to like park out front of inside out for the cruising nights on Sundays. And they had this like creamy green chili sauce. That was just amazing. It's like to die for. It's really good. That's the name of my band is creamy green chili sauce, (laughs) by the way. Oh, that's pretty good. It's like liquid cheese. Yeah. Right. right? Oh yeah. What more do you need? I miss that band. That was a good band. (laughs) Nice. So, you know, someone who's listening, you know, maybe is, has a band here in town, whatever. What is the make or break difference between a band that you're going to say, oh, yeah, I'll book them. Someone is like, no, not ready. I think that it's really about commitment level and and like drive. Because like this, there's a ton of bands out there who have music and I'll get, I'll get hit up a lot of times from people being like, Hey, we really want to play at the launch pad. Uh, here's our music, put us on a show and I can like listen to their music and, you know, and I have a, I have a wide taste. I like, I like all genres of music. And I also like to think about like that there are many different scenes in Albuquerque and all of them need to be addressed. So all of them can have a show to go to on a different night of the week. And so I'll listen to them. But a lot of times if there's not some, you know, if you're not hitting me up, like, well, and I shouldn't say this. I was going to say, if you're not hitting me up, like every few weeks being like, Hey, what'd you think? How was that? What are you thinking? Which can get kind of annoying. (laughs) Like, don't do that. That can be like really annoying. But what I think really helps is if you have connections with other bands in town, that is the thing that will like get you a leg in all the time. Because if a band hits me up and they're telling me like, Hey, we really want to play at the launch pad. And this band, Sorry Weto, said that they would play with us. Well, I've had, uh, you know, I've booked Sorry Weto at the Launchpad several times before. So I know, you know, like for me, I'm, I know what I'm getting. I know like, oh, well, those guys, they're, they're a good band and they're going to bring some people and it's going to be a party. I don't know these, this new band, but if they know them, then sure, come on down. Yeah, that's smart. It's networking is what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's networking. And and it's also like, you know, being aware, being self-aware of, of where you are. I think when you're starting out as a band, you shouldn't expect to get Friday and Saturday night gigs. I mean, those are it's like when you you like I don't I used to play wrestling video games, right? And so it's like when you're like a wrestler, you start at like the bottom of the card, you know, and you, you like maybe play like an opening spot on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And like when you're first starting off, you're gonna have to do a lot of those those kind of gigs. So if you if you come in at a booker and you're like, hey, when can you put us on on a Friday or when can you put us on on a Saturday at Launchpad? Then it, it makes it really hard unless you're coming in with somebody who does normally play at a Launchpad on a Friday or Saturday. And then and also like maybe another thing to consider is Launchpad might be a too big of a venue for you because Launchpad is about 400 capacity of a venue and there's smaller venues like Inside Out and Moonlight. Moonlight is like a hundred capacity venue. So if you're just starting out, it might be a you might have a better chance at getting into a venue that's smaller, right? And it seems counterproductive because I think or counterintuitive because I think a lot of people, a lot of bands get the idea that I'm going to be in a band. If we can play the big stage on Friday night, we're going to make it. That's that's what making it is. And it's not that easy. You know, like you have to really work your way through it unless you're rich. 
you have to you have to play a Tuesday night and then you got to play like a Wednesday in the second slot. And sometimes you're going to have to play last, which you think would be the best slot, but actually ends up being the worst slot. So like you have to do that for a while while you build your audience. And so I think a really the advice I would give to bands is to network, is to go find other bands that sound like them or that have the same kind of friends as them, you know, because music is very fluid and genres are fluid like find other friends that are playing music so that you can kind of start putting your own shows together because me as a booker I'm definitely more likely to book a show with like a bands that I know but b like a package you know like two bands together looking for a night so what I'm I've gathered from what you're saying is is you're telling people number 1 pay your dues number 2 network and then also learn the rules because there are rules like it's funny i didn't know this and i have a friend I've, i lived with a guy who was a musician and i have a lot of friends that are musicians when i say rules there's like these unwritten like things for example like i didn't know this like if you're being booked somewhere don't book yourself close to it somewhere else in town i didn't know that was a thing yes and no yeah i, I mean like all right me as a booker i'm going to answer this question two ways me as a booker I would say you should space your shows out at least like 10 days. Don't play a show in the same city in Albuquerque. Don't play a show in Albuquerque within 10 days of each other. Right. And me as a booker, I would say that. And generally, I would say that as, as, a, as a band member, but I, get, well, I guess me as a band member, I'll answer it my second way now. So as a band member, if you're just starting off, my advice is to play everything that you can play, at least for like the first like year six months to a year because when you're first starting off i think that you really want to get your name out there as much as you can every time that you can get it and and you want to meet as many people as you can you want to meet a bunch of different bands you want to see you want to survey the scene and you want people to know you because the more bands you play with the more it's going to happen where they're going to have a cool show and they're going to think oh who can we ask to play with us on the show and they'll think of you because they've seen you play at moonlight like five times in the last three months on a band perspective if you're just starting out i would say play as much as you can but you can be smart about that by like varying up the type of shows you play because a bar show is different than a diy show and that's different than a brewery show and that's different than like a private party that you play you know so you can play like i know some dudes that will like bands that will play four times a week but they'll you know they'll play a brewery they'll play a bar they'll play in santa fe and then they'll play like an afternoon gig and all ages gets for kids in the park or something like that like there's definitely ways to play more but you really have to be smart about it yeah because like a book as a booker you don't want to book a show and then someone books a show down the street four days before and then everyone goes to that show and it doesn't come to yours oh it always sucks it always sucks when you have like a show booked on a friday night and you're like yeah i got this really good band on a friday night and then you like look on their facebook and it's like and also on saturday night we're going to be playing free over here and you're like "Ah." that's a no-no or if you are doing that like do like do it secret or like i mean like i run into this stuff with red light cameras sometimes because we get asked to play in normal times we get asked to play a lot and so it's just knowing when to announce your shows you know like if i have a show like within 10 days 
I can wait to announce it until after this show happened. And then it's like, if you missed it, sorry about that, but don't worry, there's another show. And then I build up hype on the next show, but I just wait to announce it till later. Or you like, you can like, if there's a certain show that's kind of like a free thing at the park, then you don't really have to promote that that much. You can just go play that one, but promote the one that is cost money to go to. So is there anything else you want to share? We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, You know, uh, how can people find out about what you're doing with your different venues, with your band? So we're continuing to do uh, concerts at Launchpad uh, virtually. So we're going to start filming again later this month and we premiere our shows on Friday nights at eight o'clock on launchpad's youtube channel which is youtube.com forward slash launchpad abq and all these concerts are made possible by our patreon donors who have really been helping keep launchpad going during the entire pandemic and so you can find us on patreon.com forward slash launchpad abq and you can support launchpad streaming series to help us keep concerts going so that's for launchpad stuff you can find my band red light cameras on instagram and facebook uh we've got an album that we're sitting on and we're waiting to be able to release it but we might be giving some sneak previews of some stuff soon there's some stuff in the works there uh with my theater company it's blackout theater company we're up on facebook or blackouttheatercompany.com awesome well thanks so much for coming on the show yeah thanks barney yeah thank you guys for having me What's Up ABQ is proud to be sponsored by Daisy Sticker Company. Fun stickers and affordable prices. Do you want your business, group, or team on a decal, cup, pop socket, or business card? Just contact Daisy Sticker on Instagram at Daisy Sticker Co. And now find them on Etsy at Daisy Sticker Co. 1. They'll print your artwork or design custom-made artwork for you. Add the promo code PODCAST for 10% off your purchase. Daisy Sticker Company, cool stickers and cool prices. Look for them on Instagram at Daisy Sticker Co. and now on Etsy at Daisy Sticker Co. 1. They help bring you What's Up ABQ. This podcast is a member of the Borellis Podcasters Guild, and we can advertise your business or organization. Get more info by contacting us at info at BorellisPodcastersGuild.com and visit our website at BorellisPodcastersGuild.com. So, Chris, what are we going to talk about for Season 3 of What's a Baby Q? Well, Ryan, you see that guy screaming on the bus? Find out on the show. Ooh, I love that guy. Or how about a real-life alien? Ooh, that's cool. How about a dairy farmer? How about a talking chili? How about a fireman? Ooh, how about just two hours of beer pouring into a can? A statue. A streetcar. An art bus. Several art buses. Catch the next episode of What's Up ABQ Season 3. What's Up ABQ is a proud member of the Borellis Podcasters Guild.